Well, good morning, and welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. My name is Andy. It's uh, great to have you uh, here this morning as we uh, continue uh, being challenged and equipped to engage in uh, some of the more important and difficult conversations uh, that are are part of our lives. Uh, this uh, series, The Elephant in the Room. Um, you know, I've received some emails um, uh, uh, over the course of the week and the last couple of weeks, really, just, just uh, you know, about this situation or that situation and just, just acknowledging the, the difficulty of engaging in these, these uh, tough topics. And, and I, I was thinking to myself, wow, we're Gosh, maybe a bit off more than we can chew here. This is, uh, this is, we're really going for it in this series. I mean, this is not easy stuff to talk about. And uh, who, I mean, who really looks forward to having these difficult kinds of conversations? Anybody? No, no none of us do. I, I like, they come up my way and I, I want to run uh, far in the other direction. I dread them. It, it is so much easier to avoid hard topics and remain in the, the, the comfortable, cozy, feel-good fantasy world of, like, leave it to beaver or, or, or something like that. Uh, but as I was gearing up for yet a, a, another challenging week where, honestly, it would uh, just be easier to avoid, uh, God, uh, God's Spirit just really spoke to my heart and reminded me what discipleship is supposed to be all about in the first place. I mean, our mission as a church is to invite people on a journey with Jesus, and that journey that journey of discipleship is, is meant to, to, to grow us and conform our, our lives, every part of our lives, into uh, the image of Jesus, including uh, some of the more difficult areas, those areas that really, really matter. I, I find it just totally unfortunate that kind of the, the modern church culture is such that, that it's difficult to acknowledge our shortcomings and our, our failures, and, and it's difficult because we perceive, um, it, 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 I don't think this is just me, I, I think this is each of us, we perceive that we, we look at other people and we say, oh man, their lives, they've got it together. And so when then we consider our own life, gosh, I, I don't have it all together, we think that we're the exception to the rule and there's something wrong with us, but you're not the exception to the rule. Uh, you, you are not alone. If you are struggling, uh, you're not the exception. We all have stuff. We all have problems. We all have challenges. And, and you are not out there on an island unto yourself if you're struggling, if you have difficulties in life. And today we're, we're talking about difficulties that, that are uh, part of, of our marriage relationships. Now, I, I'm well aware that not everybody here today is married. Uh, not everybody listening online. Um, is, is married. Uh, but believe me, I, I'm not forgetting you. You are a, a critical part of our church family here at Troy UMC. As a married person myself, let me just say, if you are single, wow, we married people, we need you. Uh, we really need you. We need your friendship. We need your gifts. We, we, we need your perspectives uh, and, and, and your friendship. Everything else you have to offer in the body of Christ. And, and, and the truth is, you might not know this or feel this way, but, but you need us to, you, know, you need us to, to involve you in our kind of extended family life um, and to share our gifts uh, as married folk and our, our perspectives with you. Uh, so today, although the topic is uh, centered on engaging in difficult conversations within Christian marriage, um, I promise that these insights, they, they will translate to other uh, relationships too. 
Uh, so let's dive in. I, I don't want to waste any time. We've got a lot today. So let's, uh, let's start from the beginning. And, and, and in, in order to engage in the difficult com, uh, conversations to improve our marriages, we have to have a clear picture, picture of God's vision for marriage in the first place. Uh, so uh, you, you heard Deb uh, read from Genesis chapter 2. Let's t- take a look at that. Many, many of you know the story. Adam and Eve, God created the first man, Adam, placed him in the garden uh, where, where God saw that it was not good for the man to, to be alone. And so then we get this, this uh, nice uh, story of God kind of uh, looking for a suitable partner for the man and, and creating all the different animals, and, and, uh, and we find that none of them are suitable, uh, not even the dog guys. Uh, but, but God, so God put Adam into a deep sleep and uh, took a rib from his side and, and created his wife who uh, later would be called Eve. And, and you heard that uh, earlier um, in, in chapter two, uh, God's vision for Christian marriage. And, and I just want to highlight one of the verses here that is, that is just, it, it gets to the heart of God's vision for Christian marriage. Uh, verse 24, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife. And here it is. And they will become one flesh. Now, this one flesh vision for marriage has a couple of components that I, I want to highlight this morning. They're in your message notes, so I encourage you to follow along. There are some blanks there, so if you look at them later, you're going to forget. Um, then you'll have to watch online uh, again. Uh, so if you're watching a second time, here you go. Catch the blanks this time around. Uh, but God's vision for marriage in this one flesh union uh, involves uh, uh, an obvious thing. Uh, I think the, most, the more obvious one, and that, that's a deep intimacy. Uh, God created marriage to be a, a whole person connection. Uh, that, that, that means that ideally, more than any other human relationship, every part of you, if you're married, is to connect with and cleave to every part of your spouse. The, the love that you share is to be a com- complete as you intertwine uh, your, your lives and your emotions uh, and everything else about you around each other. And this intimacy is re- reflected in the verse that, that just follows, verse 25, where it says that the man and the woman, uh, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They were completely, totally vulnerable and yet remained deeply connected to one another. Uh, although in marriage you, you are still separate individuals and you can fall into all kinds of problems if you don't recognize that. You're still separate individuals. Uh, but there, there's this new component, this we component, this one flesh intimacy. I could talk about uh, that for, the, for our entire time this morning, but I'm going to try to summarize a couple aspects of this deep intimacy and, and how it relates to confronting problems. Uh, within a Christian marriage. Um, you see, when you're one flesh, you have a responsibility to care for your, your body. As a person, as an individual, you have a responsibility to, to care for yourself, to care for your body. So when you're one flesh, uh, you are, have a responsibility to care for your marriage, your, your spouse. You, you are one. You're, you're united. You're intertwined. So, so healthy confrontation done out of love, and in order to preserve and grow the relationship, like we, we talked about in, in the previous weeks during this series, that's a part of this responsibility, this one flesh a vision in marriage. Furthermore, when, when, you are, when you're so deeply connected 
uh, you really get to know the other person, don't you? I mean, you, you generally, you see your spouse for who he or she really is. Not like the image they, they put out there and that convinces everybody else who they really are. You, you see everything. Uh, you see the, the ins and outs. You see all the imperfections and much more than anyone else does. Um, m- most, uh, most often, uh, you want to know what somebody's problems are, you talk with their spouse. Uh, you don't talk with them. You get the real picture uh, then. But, but a spouse can identify the true problems, and yet it, it works both ways. So they know your problems too. And so sometimes there's this unspoken collusion that takes place in a marriage uh, where uh, you don't confront problems or issues because you know that your spouse knows the real you too and and they then have the the right and the responsibility to confront you on your stuff and you're not sure that you really want to go there so so there's this unspoken collusion that you just kind of leave that stuff alone and, and don't don't address problems um, so however if you if you really care about your relationship then goodness you, you just need to get over that um, and and be willing to confront the elephant not to hurt your spouse um, not out of fear that they might uh, turn around and confront you, but, but to help your marriage relationship grow. Uh, but why is, important? why is it important for a Christian marriage to grow? That's, a, that's an important question, one I don't want to gloss over because, I mean, you've you got to have a good reason to engage in the difficult stuff. Why, why not just settle for being comfortable or, or whatever? Well, because this one flesh vision that God has for your marriage involves at least one other component. And we learn about it in Ephesians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul, early uh, Christ follower and leader in the early church, where he is speaking about marriage, and he actually quotes the verse from Genesis chapter 2. Uh, this, is, this is what he says. He says, for this reason, the man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. We already read that from Genesis 2. He's just quoting it here. And then he says this. He says, this is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Uh, Paul's getting at a, a really important point here as it relates to the one flesh vision God has for marriage. You see, throughout Scripture, uh, you see this metaphor Come up continually, where, where God is describing his relationship with his people in terms of, of a marriage, uh, where, where God's sacrificial and, and a loving relationship with his people is like a marriage. And, and Paul does that again, talking about Jesus' love for the church. God's one flesh vision for marriage parallels Jesus' sacrificial love for his church. And I would take that a step further to say that just as the church at its best is meant to be a light, to stand out as a light in a world that is just filled with darkness, so too is a Christian marriage meant to bring the light of Christ into a world filled with darkness. I believe God's vision for a one flesh marriage is not just for deep intimacy, but also a reflection of Jesus' love for the world. In other words, uh, when, when others, um, especially those who are on the outside of the body of Christ, but, but those on the inside too, well, when, when others, some who are far from God, when they witness the selfless and sacrificial love between a husband and a wife that is meant to be a part of a one flesh 
Christian marriage, they, they will see the love of Jesus. And, and they won't just long for marriage. Maybe they'll long for Jesus. God's vision for marriage is that it would be a gospel witness for all to see. That it would be a model of, of sacrifice and forgiveness and grace and mutual submission and, and truth. That is a huge part of God's vision for Christian marriage. And it's all tied up in, in this biblical understanding of, of a one flesh marriage. So, so now, uh, let me throw this into to your court now. Uh, ask yourself this question. If, you, if you're a married person, ask yourself this question. It's, it's printed in your message notes. Is my marriage a reflection of Christ-like love on display for all to see? Does my marriage reflect deep intimacy and, and the love that Jesus has for the world? Does my marriage reflect that? Well, when others look upon my marriage, do they see the self-sacrificing love of God being lived out in this family unit? Uh, that's, those are hard, hard questions to wrestle with. They're, they're questions that I've wrestled with personally in, in my own life uh, for, for many years. Let me share a little bit of my story with you. Um, I, I like to tell people that I thought I was a really, a pretty good catch uh, when, I was, when I was single. You know, I, I, was, I was like the all-American guy. You know, I was an uh, uh, athlete, uh, smart, uh, good, good at sports and, and academics, um, good head on my shoulders. I, I, I was a Christian, uh, and although I wasn't perfect, um, I, I was wholeheartedly following Jesus in my college years. Um, I, I was serving as a, a youth leader. I was planning to go to seminary and, and becoming a pastor. Um, I, I had good relationships with just about everybody. Like, I just didn't really have a lot of conflict with folks. I, I got along with people well. Um, I, I uh, you know, I was pretty laid back, but, but also driven enough that I wasn't a, a lazy person at all. I, I would take care of, of my business and... and and although I, I was going bald at a freakishly early age, uh, I, I, God blessed me with, I, I think, a decent-shaped head. Uh, so, so I thought I was a pretty good catch. That is, until I got married. It wasn't long into my marriage to my lovely wife, Amy Jo, uh, uh, when, when we started experiencing some conflict. And looking back, I wonder if I had a very good understanding of God's vision for marriage. Um, and, and even if I did conceptually, uh, the dysfunctional family dynamics that I grew up and experienced, uh, my only real intimate experience of marriage to that point, uh, and the default patterns that I had for conflict resolution that I learned from, from that early uh, childhood and, and, uh, and ability or inability at times to create um, emotional and relational intimacy. And, and all of those deficiencies, they began to rear their ugly head uh, pretty early in our marriage. Uh, although at the time, I really wasn't able to put a finger on it and say, this is, this is what's going on. This is the problem. Uh, furthermore, when Amy Jo would have the courage to confront the elephant and point out some of these things, 
I didn't respond all that well. Uh, you see, I still thought I was, I was a pretty good catch. And I, and I had a hard time admitting that I was wrong, especially when, you know, after kind of exploring my own heart, I thought, goodness, I've, I've got good motives here. I intend good and, and the right things. So obviously the problem isn't with me. It was really easy for me to get defensive when she would bring things up and somehow put the blame all back on her rather than looking at myself as having a problem. Now, don't get me wrong. This wasn't the case all the time. Uh, we, we had a, a lot of fun, great times, a fun, deep connection in, in those early years of our marriage, but these patterns would come up enough that it did, it did damage to our relationship because she would confront me on things that I didn't think that I needed to deal with. I would harbor resentment deep inside, and it would come out. It would come out in public at times. And I'm ashamed to say that there, there have been times when I, I would do passive-aggressive stuff and make little jabs at my wife and other people's presence, somehow thinking that if I put her down, I'd make myself look better. But it didn't work that way. Uh, obviously, I looked horrible. Our marriage looked horrible. Uh, and and it, it was damaging our witness for Jesus in, in this world. It hurt God's vision for our relationship. And it made deep emotional in intimacy difficult to achieve. I tell you, as uh, a Christian husband who sincerely wanted and wants to follow Jesus with his whole heart, there is nothing worse than hearing your wife say that she feels empty and unloved. But the gift of hearing that truth from her helped me to confront some of the emotional and relational deficiencies that I had in my heart. I, I truly believe that, that God matched me up with just the perfect person who, uh, who I needed more than anybody else to confront some of this stuff in, in my heart and in my life. And so because of Amy Jo's persistence and courage to confront me over the years, even when I responded poorly, repeatedly, I, I can say that, that we are more and more living into the vision, God's one flesh vision for marriage. Her confronting the elephant spurred me on to deeper and deeper dependence on God, relying on, on his grace to help transform some of the, the, the very broken places in, in my heart and, and help, helped our relationship to grow. God has used my marriage relationship more than any other relationship in this life to mold me and shape me and conform me into the image of Jesus. Uh, I am a more wholehearted follower of God because my wife has had the courage to lovingly confront me. Now, I don't share this stuff lightly. I really, I still have to do it two more times, pray for me, and it's online for like everybody to see. I don't like making myself vulnerable like that, but but there's a part of me that would love for you to think that I, I've just been like this perfect Christian guy and have a perfect Christian marriage for the last 18 plus years, but, but it's, it's not the truth. But the reason, the reason that I, I'm willing to make myself vulnerable uh, like this is, is twofold. First, because I want you to know that no matter how bad things are for you and your marriage right now, maybe you came by yourself because you saw the topic. And, and your spouse didn't want to come with you. No matter how bad 
things are between you now. There is hope. There is hope. You're not alone. There is a way back into God's vision for your marriage. Uh, with, with God in the equation, if two people choose to submit to him first, uh, God can bring hope and healing. But, but it does take two. It, it ab- absolutely takes two people who want that vision for their marriage. I, I'm also sharing because uh, these personal experiences lead me to truly believe with my whole heart that, that if you and your spouse share God's vision for a one flesh marriage, if you do, uh, then confronting the elephants will help you reach and live into that vision. If you don't share that vision, then confronting the elephants there, they might do more harm than good. Uh, so, so you might need to focus on, on just a, a discipleship and growth in Christ until you both come to a point of, a, of agreeing that this is the kind of vision for, for marriage that we want, that we seek together. But assuming you do want God's vision for that vision for your marriage, uh, confronting the elephants, confronting the problems can help you reach it. Um, now, I, I don't know what elephants you might have in your marriage. Uh, maybe, maybe it's money. Maybe it's uh, behavior uh, that is undermining your emotional intimacy. Maybe you, you need to have some conversations with your spouse about uh, parenting or or sex, or dealing with your in-laws, or with your adult children. Um, may, maybe you need to talk about her jokes, or, or his put-downs. Uh, may, maybe you need to uh, have the courage to share your feelings about uh, how much uh, one of, your, one of the, the other person is working, the workaholism, or, or maybe uh, an overbearing personality. Uh, whatever it is, maybe, maybe you need to engage in, and you've been avoiding the difficult conversations of just end-of-life decisions. Um, and it's just created a tension in your relationship. But whatever it is, you're, you're missing God's vision for your marriage until you engage in some of the, the, the difficult conversations. In, in their book, which I've mentioned throughout the series, Boundaries of Face-to-Face, uh, Drs. Henry Cloud and John Townsend point out that the truth that marriage, the point of marriage is not each other's happiness. That's not the point of Christian marriage. The point of Christian marriage is about growing into the image of Christ um, and reflecting that to the world to help one's spouse grow. Happiness is a byproduct of that kind of growth. It's not the goal. And and when you uh, confront elephants in your relationship and when you do it the right way, as we've spoken about in the past couple of weeks, and when your, your spouse responds positively to the feedback you give, your relationship will grow. But in, in the little bit of time that we have yet this morning, I want to talk briefly about when your spouse doesn't respond well. Um, like I was in the habit of, of uh, doing. Uh, how do you deal with resistance when you try to confront the elephant in your marriage, uh, or really in any, any meaningful relationship? You know, resistance can come in all kinds of forms. And, and I briefly want to look back on that first marriage relationship between Adam and Eve. Uh, uh, you know the story. They ate... They disobeyed, they ate the fruit from the one tree God said to avoid, and, and God confronted the elephant. God came looking uh, after he knew what was going on. Uh, so, so hear this, uh, uh, verse 8, starting in verse 8 in chapter 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Hear what the man says. The man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord said to the woman, what, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. You see what's going on here, right? What they're doing? Uh, they, they, when confronted with the elephant, with their disobedience, they each blame somebody else for it. Blame is a common form of resistance. And as the confronter, uh, you very well may be blamed. Uh, you, you may also be the brunt of anger. Uh, that's commonly referred to as shooting the messenger. Um, other types of resistance include rationalizing the behavior or minimizing the severity of the behavior. Uh, denying that there's even a problem is a form of resistance that I am familiar with. Um, uh, but and you could be confronted, when, when you confront the elephant, you could meet multiple forms of resistance at the same time, which could cause you to just, just give up. Uh, but don't. Don't give up. The, the one flesh vision God has for your marriage is worth more than enough to sacrifice temporary discomfort. Uh, first, as you do... Um, confront the elephant. Uh, it's important to be prepared in advance for resistance to your confrontation. So, so pr pray about it ahead of time. Ask, ask for God's courage. Ask for God's uh, wisdom and grace to, to choose your words and your attitude wisely to respond well. Uh, but don't be naive that, uh, uh, to expect no resistance, especially if you've encountered resistance in the past. Uh, but, but here's what you can do. First, approach the conversation with grace and love. The grace and love that you desire, the safety that you desire, grace and love and safety is exactly the same as what your spouse needs as well. Uh, when you experience resistance, you're going to be tempted to respond with the same kind of response that you just received, whether that be anger or blame or defensiveness. But if you react to his or her reactions, then you'll be compromising your ultimate goal of confronting the problem in order to improve the relationship. So try to overlook the initial shock response uh, and initial resistance. Uh, maybe they'll be willing to listen when they see that you're not just trying to be argumentative and start a fight. Uh, but if they still don't respond well, then it is more than appropriate to make their defensiveness the issue. It's natural to defend yourself when you're being attacked, but maybe your spouse isn't clear that you're bringing this up because you love him or her and you value your relationship. Uh, lovingly point out that it is very difficult to even engage in, in this conversation uh, and, and that their resistance is making it even harder. Uh, assure them that, that you're not in this for an attack, that it's God's one flesh vision for your marriage that is the only reason why you're bringing this up. Uh, you may also need to listen to his or her overflow of emotions before you can get to the problem. Uh, listening when appropriate, uh, and is, is appropriate if it creates a sense of safety for him to hear or her to hear the problem. Uh, of course, just because you're listening isn't meaning that you're agreeing. 
uh, with what they're sharing. But also, it's easy for uh, to get resistance to your conf- uh, when you get resistance to your confrontation to think, how dare he respond like that? <laughs> and then just to put your own guard up. Uh, but be willing to look at your own contribution to the problem too. Be open to critique. Be willing to make the changes that you need to. Sometimes just seeing that willingness in you is exactly what your spouse needs uh, to, to feel safe to explore that they might have a problem also. Um, it's also important for you to art, be able to articulate how their resistance is making you feel, how it's hard enough to get the courage up to share the problem, and this is just making it worse. Um, uh, remember also uh, that, that being right is not the goal. Th- this is one that I always have to remember. <laughs> the, the goal isn't to win the argument or to be right. It's to do right. It's to resolve a problem that will improve your relationship and deepen your intimacy. If you find yourself um, needing the satisfaction of your spouse saying, you know what, you're totally right, uh, then, then it's, it's time to check your motives. You're, you're probably not going to get that. Uh, maybe you will. Uh, but finally, be persistent. Don't give up. If resistance comes, uh, fall back again and try later. Uh, be the best spouse that you possibly can be and out of love, and hope for your relationship, prayerfully confront the elephant again later. If you keep on loving and, and, conf- and, and keep on giving grace, it can melt a heart over time. Uh, I, I, it can melt away resistance. I, I know it firsthand because Amy Jo's persistence in, in, in our life, uh, over time I see the truth of what she is saying, and, and I've gotten better thank God by his grace, to hear it well and respond well the first time. Uh, Of course, at any point during your resistance journey, Christian counseling uh, can be an extremely helpful tool, and I didn't want to go through this entire message without saying, do it. Uh, Suck it up. Be willing to make yourself vulnerable in front of another person. It's it's worth it. It can help. Uh, uh, But let me end with this. The, The gift of marriage it's just that. It's a gift. It, it's kind of like, like a flower that needs to be watered and, and cultivated. And, and there are times when healthy, loving confrontation is the absolute best fertilizer that you can give to help that marriage relationship grow. That can grow into the one flesh vision that God has for your marriage. So, so I encourage you, follow up hearing this message with an important conversation. Where the first question, if you're married, is this. Is that the kind of vision we want for our marriage? And if the answer to that question is yes, then by all means, ask the question of one another. Are there any elephants that we need to talk about? And, and maybe we don't have them right now, but when they come up, let's be committed to confronting them in a loving, grace-filled way. But before you uh, set aside time this afternoon or tonight or on your next date night to have those conversations, I want to pray for you. Uh, so, so let's stand together. Let, let's, let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you, you, for better or for worse, created us for community. You created us for community within the body of Christ. And right now, I, I don't want to ignore, I want to really acknowledge and lift up those in our church family who are single, 
either never married, uh, divorced, uh, or, or widowed. Uh, Father, would you bind us all together in community such that as a church family, we would experience intimacy with you and with one another and reflect your love for the world around us. But Lord, for those of us who are married, help, help us live into your vision for marriage. I know full well that there are probably some here in a marriage with a spouse who, who really doesn't buy into that vision, Lord. Uh, w- w- would you give that person here today whose spouse isn't on board with this patience? Would you give them prayerful persistence in love as you draw their spouse into a more intimate relationship with you first, Lord? Would, <laughs> Lord, be very clear to us then. <laughs> uh, would, would, would you create in their heart uh, a, a desire to have their marriage reflect your love for the world, not, not merely, Lord, a, a source of selfish comfort or happiness. Uh, but Lord, there, there are many of us here today who, who are here with our spouse and, and, we, and we know that you have given us this vision for our marriage, this one flesh vision. Holy Spirit, would you give us courage to confront the elephants, to risk the discomfort for the sake of deeper intimacy and brighter witness of your love in a dark world? Lord, break down our walls of defensiveness and brokenness. Use these conversations to grow us into the people that you created us to be. As the bride of Christ, we pray it all in the name of the bridegroom who laid down his life for us. In the name of Jesus.